Welcome to episode number 22 of the Road to Cinema podcast, featuring producer Michael Coleman of the Oscar-nominated film Foxcatcher. The film tells the story of Olympic wrestler Mark Schultz, played by Channing Tatum, who's taken under the wing of the wealthy John DuPont, played by Oscar nominee Steve Carell, to train the United States wrestling team for the 1988 Olympics. The film also features Oscar nominee Mark Ruffalo as Mark's brother David Schultz. The film also received Oscar nominations for Best Director Bennett Miller and Best Original Screenplay by Dan Futterman and Emacs Fry. We'll discuss producer Michael Coleman's initiative to option the life rights of wrestler Mark Schultz, which took place over 12 years ago, as well as the many challenges to not only develop a screenplay, but secure financing and get Foxcatcher into production. For more information on the Road to Cinema podcast, to read the Road to Cinema blog, and to watch our Road to Cinema YouTube series, please visit jogroadproductions.com. And you can follow us on Twitter for the latest updates, at jogroad. And now we join producer Michael Coleman as he discusses what originally inspired him to pursue the story of Mark Schultz and turn Mark Schultz's experience with John DuPont into a feature film. So I've been doing a lot of research about the development of Foxcatcher and going through all of the producing credits, uh, really from what I've you know, researched, the seed of the idea of making this movie really came from you. So I was wondering uh, your first interest in Mark Schultz and the John DuPont dynamic, and also uh, your initiative to, I believe, option Mark Schultz's life rights. Is that right? That's right. So, um, yeah, I, you know, just to step back a little bit further, I, you know, I had thought about kind of getting, trying my hand in the film business. Uh, this is back, gosh, in 2002. And started coming up with some, some ideas and, you know, what I could pursue and was looking around and had some original ideas and some other thought. But ultimately, you know, this, this idea, this, this story was kind of sitting in my backyard a little bit. Um, I had two younger brothers who wrestled for Mark Schultz at BYU. He was the wrestling coach at Brigham Young University. So I knew about his career and I also knew about uh, John DuPont and his brother's murder. Um, in fact, um, you know, I remember in 1996, my brother was on the BYU wrestling team when uh, Mark Schultz's brother, Dave Schultz, had been killed. And he talked to me about, wow, you know, it's been this obviously awful experience. And, you know, he heard Mark, you know, trashing his office. And, you know, when he heard the news, he got the news when he was there in, in his office at Brigham University. So I knew about this murder. But it wasn't until 2002 that I started thinking, oh, maybe, you know, there might be something interesting there in terms of a, of a movie. And, uh, uh, you know, when I started thinking about movie, you know, I, I, looked, at, I looked at his story um, and, and to tell that there was some compelling elements there already. I mean, obviously, it was the John Dupont element. There was the Dave Schultz and that this really wealthy individual had murdered this Olympic wrestler. But it wasn't until my, I, I reached out to my brother, Mark Schultz, and, you know, to, to, to kind of test the waters on whether Mark had ever thought about making his life into a movie or if there ever anything interesting on that. And he had said that, no, nobody really ever reached out to him, but that he had this uh, short autobiography that he'd written that he'd always thought at some point he wanted to turn into a book because he thought, you know, he can't do something so many interesting and crazy experiences and originally wrote it just so his kids would know what he'd been through. But he had this short autobiography, maybe, you know, 
I was curious about um, you know your development of the material as a producer. Um, so you had options, uh, you know, the Mark Schultz, his life, uh, this you know this autobiography, uh, but then going about sort of putting the the project together and you know making it into uh, an actual film. Uh, there's been kind of a, a story going around in the press that you had actually uh, gone to see Bennett Miller at some kind of public function and actually. Uh, sort of handed to him all of these newspaper articles, just sort of you know random, right there on the spot. Is that uh, is that accurate? <laughs> um, that's not uh, okay. So that's not quite accurate in that it wasn't me who approached uh, Ben and Miller. In fact, you know, like I said, I started working on this project in 2002. It was like four years of plugging away at this before it even got to Ben. Um, and about you know a year and a half of that, or almost two of those four, I was kind of working on it solo, and you know trying to get the story into the hands of somebody that might either help me or you know a writer or director that would want to take on the project. And then you know the, the two years prior to getting it to Bennett, I, I teamed up with a partner of mine, uh, who I'd met in business school, his name is Tom Heller. And he came into business school with a lot of um, film contacts. He'd been an agent before. And ultimately, you know, we worked together for years to you know, try to get it set up and we established some partnerships with some major production companies um, to ultimately try to find the right writer or director. And it was, you know, at the end of a number of cycles of, you know, going out to Hollywood and looking for a writer, looking for a director, looking for the right production company. When we felt like we're kind of getting to the end of you know one of those cycles that Tom 
Paul is the one who uh, you know, went into a DVD signing that Bennett Miller was having and took him on his book and a couple of articles that had been written about the, the Marshall story. And yeah, and uh, he's the one who did that. Um, not me, I mean, you know, but we like I said, it's been, you know, four years of those similar types of activities that you know, preceded that event that got it into Bennett's hands in 2006. Wow. So uh, were, were you involved at all at that very beginning developing the script, or did you did you hire any writers on your own before Bennett Miller uh, had really yeah, you know, um, showed interest? Yeah, before Bennett. Um, so in 2002, uh, you know, like I said, I, I read Mark's autobiography, and I had never made a movie before. I had no credits, nothing. But, um, you know, I, I um, got Mark basically, you know, brought him, you know, went to a pizza joint and said, hey, listen, I want you to hear the story, I think. You could tell about, you know, how your story could be made into a movie. I pitched him kind of a story that I'd come up with that was based on those events. And at the end of it, he was, you know, kind of in tears, kind of just the, the emotion of just that story itself. And right there, he agreed to kind of team up with me and essentially give me his life right that I could start, you know, developing this project. So that was 2002, and and then I went and uh, you know I didn't know anybody. I'm a guy from Kansas, zero connections in the business, um, and I just went, you know, no film school experience, nothing. So I went through the process of thinking, all right, obviously at some point it's going to need a director, it's going to need actors, it's going to need the whole package. Well, I'm trying to find that. I'm going to try to push this story along as far as I can. So for those early years, um, you know, I tried to write a screenplay. And I, you know, would take from that and then build that into a, a type of treatment that I could use to send around and get in people's hands to try to, you know, get some interest. But, you know, I eventually wrote, you know, a full screenplay um, that, frankly, wasn't very, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think it was very good. But the idea being, you know, I, I wanted to try to push this along as far as I could until I could find somebody that could help me out. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 at that point, I knew a lot about the story. I knew a lot about the elements because I tried to tackle it from a screenwriter's perspective up until the time when I met Tom Eller. And then we went from there and started attaching our kind of professional screenplay, you know, professional screenwriters to the project. Um, we had a couple screenwriters that we attached to it even prior to Bennett that we, you know, used to try to get meetings and try to get it set up. But yeah, prior to, even, prior to meeting Tom, I wrote a screenplay, I wrote a treatment, you know, I had something that I could potentially try to move the project along with. Yeah, so really your your intention with writing that was more so just to sort of have a tangible item that you could show people and be like, you know, this is, um, you know, a potential movie, this is sort of what it could be. That's right. I mean, there's always a dream when you're writing a screenplay that, of course, you know, hey, this is going to be great, and, and I, I don't know, I'm going to end up being a screenwriter and get a credit for this, but, you know, I had not put in the reps of the years as a screenwriter, uh, I think, to build it. You know, I, I wasn't a craftsman when I came to that, and I started to realize this project ultimately deserves somebody better than me. So, for me, it was kind of an exercise myself to you know, understand the story. But yeah, it was also a document I could use to say, hey, I think you know, there's a real story here. If you want to read it in the screenplay form or you want to read it in treatment form, there's been some work that's been done. And the thing that just helped me when it came time to pitch the story to screenwriters and directors and 
Yeah. Would, would you say that uh, sort of the, the biggest uh, progress point was Bennett Miller's interest back in 2006? That was really sort of the, the sort of sparking of that larger development period? Well, I wouldn't say that. I mean, um, you know, we, yes, well, that, that's really the one that accelerated into we instantly had uh, financiers who were willing to back a product. Prior to that, though, um, you know, I mean, this way. I mean, there's, there's a back in 2003. So I'll tell you a story. Well, so in 2003, um, I actually went down to Brazil with Mark Schultz to be his cornerman in a what he thought was going to be a professional uh, wrestling kind of match. It turned out to be a real fight down in Brazil, and there. Just coincidentally, at this resort in the middle of the jungle in Amazon, Brazil, there was Brian Grazer was there at this resort. And so back then, I mean, I pitched this project to him in like a bathroom at this outside the fight kind of auditorium at this this place. And way back then, I thought that was going to be the moment that turned everything. And I, you know, I, I came back from Brazil and I sent him you know, my screenplay and nothing came of it. So that's not an example of it moving forward, but that was an example of, like, there was moments along the way where, okay, we found something like break. We actually teamed up in 2000, I think it was four, probably five, with uh, Tribeca Films. So Tom and I, Tom Heller and I, um, for a while, like, our initial take was, we were going to go out to, he, he found a screenwriter that he, he attached, we attached the project and went out and started pitching production companies that had studio deals and we wanted to team up with them and through that process and that was you know process like when I was in LA a bunch of people turned down then we, we had to rewrite the treatment uh, and then we kind of detached our screenwriter and then we came back to New York and, and started again trying to find a production company that came up with us and we got Tribeca Films on board for a while and which is thought, uh, Robert De Niro's Robert, company yeah yeah De Niro's company because they saw Robert De Niro playing John DuPont really yeah, so for there, I mean, so there was some real, you know, arguably some development that happened there. So then we were teamed up with them um, for, gosh, it was probably a good year, um, where it was, you know, meeting with them and trying to get uh, the treatment right and trying to get, meet with the right people. And really our goal at that point, you know, what we told them was, listen, if you guys can find us a the right screenwriter, because we needed a screenplay, and, and you know, uh, uh, a top-notch screenplay because we saw this as being a top-notch project that was going to be, you know, exactly what it turned into, frankly. You know, it was a fantastic vehicle for some actors. We thought it was a real complicated, dark story that had a lot of cool elements. So, I mean, we always thought it could turn into what it kind of turned into. So we wanted an A-list writer, and, you know, we said, hey, listen, Tribeca, if you can help us find that, then, you know, you guys can be the producers of, of this film, and, you know, obviously we'll get some kind of executive producer or producer who knows what kind of credit. So we spent a good year working with them, um, trying to find a screenwriter, you know, meetings that they would hold separately. And, and on our own, we were, you know, chasing kind of in parallel, trying to find a screenwriter or a director, a writer-director that could we could attach to the project. And that was a long project. A lot of people, I think, saw this. I mean, a lot of, they presented to a lot of screenwriters, a lot of directors, um, and, you know, got a lot of no's or, you know, great story, but, you know, wasn't the right 
material because it's it's not you know perfectly it's not you know it's not just it's not for everybody and uh, it, and and eventually they actually attached uh, a guy who had you know we, frankly we didn't think was right for the pro- project but they had been like a guy who had written a bunch of like eighties comedies who now in his kind of older age was trying to kind of go a little darker and get some artistic credibility. And eventually they settled on him as a guy who they want to go out to the studios and pitch with as, you know, the screenwriter being, it was attached to the project. So this was right at the end of uh, 2005. And so, you know, we went out to LA again with Tribeca and with the screenwriter and pitched directly to the studios saying, listen, here's the package. We have a screenwriter. We, you know, we'd love you to figure out partner with us and finance this and, you know, set up a studio and the whole nine. And we got passes from, from all the studios. And so, so there was some, there was some development. And then it was right after that, after we basically got rejected by all the studios with this, with that screenwriter. And Tom and I were thinking, okay, what are we going to do next? Um, they wanted, Rebecca wanted to have the screenwriter write it on spec, in which case he would, you know, have the rights to the screenplay. It'd be kind of his project. We didn't really love that idea. We didn't really love him as a screenwriter. And so that's when Tom, you know, kind of threw this Hail Mary pass, which we've been throwing Hail Mary passes all along, but this is one that finally connected, which was going to, to Bennett had just come off being nominated for um, Best Director in 2006, well, then, you know, for, for the year of 2005, you know, for, for Capote. And so he had a lot of heat on him, and, and so Tom thought he'd be a great director for this. You know, he'd done a true crime kind of thing before with Capote. He, he'd done true life stuff. So, yeah. So, I mean, there had been a lot of work that we put in, some development, you know, by the time it got to Bennett. And we had a tight treatment that we kind of delivered to him. And, uh, you know, and we'd done, done a lot of research, so we kind of, you know, knew where the project was going when we got it to him. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's incredible. The, not only the persistence that, uh, that you had to continue going about sort of trying to get the movie together over all these years, but just sort of your willingness to sort of, you know, go out on the line and, you know, find whatever opportunity that was around you, uh, that you thought would be optimal to finally getting the movie made. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I mean, like I said, Credit, you know, I can't take all the credit. Obviously, Tom, you know, pitched in too. But yeah, I mean, listen, we always believed in this project. It got into our DNA, like it got into our bones. Like we just couldn't not. We, we we knew. We just felt like it's gonna be a movie. We just didn't know what shape or form. Would it be small budget? Would it be big budget? We dreamed it would be a, you know, basically the kind. I mean, you know, there's all obviously elements to it. The way it finally got produced, where we said, oh, maybe. Could I was wondering um, throughout the process, once uh, you know Bennett came on as well to you know fully develop it from 2006 on, uh, how involved was Mark Schultz in terms of uh, giving notes on the script or sort of having uh, you know input into sort of what would be used of his life? Because I guess when you're dealing with someone who's living and you're putting them into a film and someone's portraying them, I guess it can sort of get a little tricky, uh, sort of legally in terms of what you're using and what you're not. And well, I mean what. I- I can't speak for every life rights project, 
Um, there's probably some maybe where they sign an agreement and certain things may be off limits or not, but my sense is most of these, and this one would be one of those, um, basically once you sign up for something like this, you sign everything away. So, you know, Mark was made well aware, and it was, you know, in the contract, you know, specifically, that, hey, you know, we can misrepresent you, we can lie about you, we can, you know, we can say anything we want, you know, and you are putting your uh, complete trust as, you know, the subject of a movie like this in the hands of the, of the writers, in the hands of the director, and, and you're hoping that it, it turns out in a way that, you know, you feel good about. And so, you know, Mark signed up for that primarily, you know, obviously he wanted his story to get out there, but he was concerned from the very beginning, you know, as anybody would be about how it might portray him. And in the early stages of the development, um, he, you know, wasn't consulted a lot, I think, in terms of the first kind of passes at the, at the screenplay. And they, they, uh, they try, they, they, um, you know, Bennett worked with a writer uh, named uh, Dave Eggers first, um, who was a novelist. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he um, he took a pass at it, and I don't think they were happy with that. And then then he brought on Bennett brought on Max Fry, who'd written something wild, and you know who'd, who'd uh, you know kind of had a he he'd been a long time a screenwriter. And he started writing it with him. You know, together they were they were trying to write something. Um, and then in the, down during that process, I think Mark was consulted to a certain degree, but um, not a lot, frankly. I mean, I think Bennett kept tabs with him, but the way Bennett presented it to Mark was, "Listen, I am going to paint a portrait of you." that is, you know, it's like Picasso painting a portrait of, you know, one of his subjects. It may not be accurate, but it's going to tell the truth that I want to tell that may be a piece of you, it may be, you know, a version of you, but it may not necessarily be you. Um, and that was kind of how he would coach him along. And he would he would get, at, he, he would rely on Mark to get anecdotes, you know, and stories and, you know, periodically, you know, tap into, you know, his, his autobiography, I think, was a huge deal. You know, that, that, that word document to help kind of drive, you know, different stories. And then through, as it reached out to kind of Mark's network of friends, you know, he would get other stories that he could use in the film. But, um, you know, Mark was consulted, um, and Mark was very kind of, any time they needed him to cooperate, he was very forthcoming. Um, but, you know, not everything, you know, as, as you can see in the press later, I mean, Mark wasn't completely comfortable about how everything, kind of how he's portrayed and, you know, and that's, you know, he knew he signed up for that, but, you know, it, it, he wasn't completely, when it finally comes out and you, you see it and people start commenting on it, and there's a lot of discussion around it, it can wear on you sometimes to the point where, <laughs> in his case, he kind of broke over it in terms of, Yeah, I was wondering, uh, sort of on the other side of the coin, the Dupont family. Uh, did uh, was there ever any concern about legal action from them as far as uh, any type of negative portrayal of John Dupont? Or I think there was concern 
but um, not, you know, not enough to really slow anything down. And, um, you know, there was no real pressure from anybody there. I think there was a few conversations with, I mean, it's hard to pin down the quote-unquote family because it's such a big, broad family. There's so many DuPonts now. Um, so there's not like one person that can be a spokesman or a spokesperson for the family. But, um, yeah, I don't think that was a big concern. And, and nobody kind of arose from the family as kind of a vocal opponent of this project, either because they didn't want more press drawn to it or, you know, they just didn't care. I'm not sure. But that wasn't a big factor in making the film. Yeah, and then uh, another person that I wanted to discuss as well is uh, Dave Schultz's wife. Uh, you know, Dave Schultz was tragically murdered by John Dupont. Uh, was she cooperative at all in terms of research as far as uh, what went on uh, on the Foxcatcher Ranch and sort of what had transpired? Yeah, she was very cooperative. I think it was signaled very early that it was going to be a, a, a fairly a flattering portrait of Dave. I mean, and it's easy to make a flattering portrait of Dave because he was a very kind of impressive guy. I mean, anybody you talk to about Dave, it's, there wasn't a ton there to mine in terms of, you know, dark, you know, there wasn't a lot of skeletons to surface there. So I think that she was very supportive um, to the point where, I mean, she opened, you know, yeah, she was, she made herself very available um, to the point where you even, you know, when, when the filming started, she brought a pair of uh, her husband's, you know, or Dave's uh, glasses that she had Mark Ruffalo. She gave to Mark Ruffalo that he could wear in the movie. So the, the glasses that you, you see him wear were the actual glasses that, that uh, Dave wore, um, you know, in real life. So, yeah, she was very cooperative. I think the family, Nancy and, and her you know, son and, and daughter were very supportive um, of, of the film. Yeah. Uh, I was curious as well about uh, about the end up, fi- you know, the financing of the film, which I believe was mostly uh, Megan Ellison and Annapurna. Uh, were you involved at all sort of trying to get that element together? No, I wasn't. Um, you know, originally when uh, Bennett came on board, you know, he had a different set of backers that had kind of committed to backing his next project. But then in 2008, you know, the whole world fell apart, financial markets fell apart, and they couldn't come to a place where, you know, they could comfortably, you know, support the project. And so that's why Ben had to go off and do Moneyball, and and, uh, he wanted to do Foxcatcher next, but he, you know, he had to pick up another project, he did Moneyball, and then came back to this. And it it was really, I, I can't speak to how, you know, it was Ben, at least to my knowledge, who, and, and potentially through maybe his agents or other folks, who got to, to Megan and um, who set up that relationship. And, and without her, um, the movie wouldn't have gotten made. It's a very, you know, it's a, it's a tricky movie, especially at this budget level. Um, not a lot of people are willing to kind of step up and, you know, finance projects like this. So it's, you know, Without, without somebody like her, and there's not a lot of people like her, uh, when it got made. But I wasn't involved in that piece. No, that was Bennett who helped set that up. 
Yeah. Um, no, I was wondering uh, as well, sort of your reaction uh, seeing the film for the first time after you know you've gone through this process for twelve years. You know the the sort of you know stop and starts of you know the project might get made with Robert De Niro, or you might get money from this place, or certain directors and screenwriters, but. When you finally saw the finished product, uh, which I believe was at the Cannes Film Festival last year, uh, what was your reaction, and uh, how did it feel to finally see something that you had, you know, had the seed of an idea for many years before be realized? Well, you know, I'd always dreamed of how I might feel when I saw it on the big screen, and you know, when you're when you're creating something like this, of course, you always think about that moment. Um, was funny, I mean, when it actually, the moment came, you know, I'd been, it was at Cannes, you're right, it was the first time I'd ever seen it, and I'd just gotten through the hustle of, you know, getting on a red carpet, and which car you get into, and which car you don't, and then, you know, navigating that, and then ushers trying to push us in to take our seats when we wanted to stay longer on the red carpet and watch as, you know, Bennett and uh, the actors came in, you know, so it was all this kind of us kind of, you know, navigating things and pushing around and, and moving through that process. So by the time I took my seat, I was, you know, fresh off of all that. And, you know, and then bam, the movie started. And, um, you know, I, I didn't have, you know, I saw the movie and I thought it was amazing, but it didn't hit me kind of emotionally until afterwards when, you know, there was a kind of a standing ovation, um, you know, and there they do them for like, you know, it was like six or seven minutes or eight minutes or something like that. And, you know, it's kind of down. Uh, I, was, I watched it next to Mark Schultz, and his security guy kind of brought me and Mark down to be, you know, down below with, with, with Bennett and the actors. And then he went and got my wife and brought her down. I think seeing her, it's funny, when I started this project, I was just a single guy. And by the time, you know, by the time I got done, I'm now married with four kids. So I think, like, you know, this, my wife, I met my wife, like, right after I started this project. And so she only knew me as a guy who was, this was like, you know, the the first child <laughs> that I brought into the relationship. And then we've had other children, but this has always been a part of the family. So I think when she kind of came down and would kind of join me down there with the celebration going on, I think that was the biggest emotional impact, like, yeah, you know, I don't know what you know. Seeing her there and the, and the and the reaction, and it was just an amazing experience. And uh, you know, I, I probably the actual watching the movie, uh, I probably didn't absorb it as much the first time as I probably would have under different circumstances. Um, but you know, it was certainly just an emotional experience. The whole the whole event, and yeah, it was it was fantastic. It was a great place. <laughs> Canada is an amazing experience in of itself. The spectacle of it almost kind of overshadowed the actual film itself in some respects. Uh, that if I had seen it like in just some dark screen room, you know, just me and a couple producers or something. Yeah, I think uh, Bennett Miller won uh, Best Director at the Cannes Film Festival, I believe. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. He won a prize. for That was the prize that the film was given was, was Best Director. So it was, it was great. It was great for him. Yeah, I was wondering, uh, sort of over this long span of time that you've been trying to put Foxcatcher together, uh, some sort of vital producing lessons uh, that you've picked up on that you may carry over into uh, another film that you want to produce down the road. Oh, wow. I mean, 
you know, aside from, you know, the importance of patience and perseverance and, you know, all those elements, I mean, there's, I mean, you know, one lesson could be, hey, <laughs> don't get into this business because it is a tough business. <laughs> I mean, you know, as amazing as it turned out for me, I've, I've seen that it, it was it was a minor miracle that it got made. And so... You really have to be passionate about it. You really have to believe in it, and that's what can drive the perseverance and the patience and everything that takes you to get there. Um, you know, I mean, other lessons I learned, I think, I'm not sure we could have changed anything, but you know, there was a period of time, I think, after we'd set up with Bennett where, you know, we didn't have as much maybe creative input as maybe we wanted to or whatever the case may be. And I'm not, I'm not saying that that would have been necessary, but, you know, as a, as a second-time producer, if I were to come back to that project, I think I would have. Uh, we, we didn't have the confidence at the time with neither of us, Tom or I, having any credits to be able to kind of more strongly kind of negotiate a role in that in that process. Um, and, you know, the second time around, I now have more leverage, so I would be able, be able to do that. I'm not sure that if you're a first-time producer, you would have, you know, that leverage. But, you know, I mean, obviously I learned a lot through the process. I learned a lot about the movie business especially. Um, you know, I, I, I don't make my living in the movie business. Um, you know, I work as a digital marketer, and, and prior to my, you know, trauma and a film, I'd been a consultant, I'd done a tech startup. So, you know, getting exposed to this business was just fascinating and just, it adds a whole other layer. It's not just about money. Um, you know, it's about people's dreams, their childhood dreams, and that adds a level of crazy that sometimes is difficult to predict or project or plan for, <laughs> uh -huh. um, both emotionally and logistically and all of the case may be, you know. So that's... You kind of can't have the same expectations in this business that you might have in other businesses and in other industries. And I don't know if that's at all advice, but it's more just kind of really certainly expected and expected. And, you know, the other challenge is it's just a tough, you know, business to navigate and to trust people. And, you know, a lot of those cliches are true. Um, it, it, since there's such a level of kind of desperation of people wanting to get into it, you know, without any bearing on what, what kind of financial benefits they may get. I mean, people do this for free. And there's, it's just, it's a tough business to, to be able to establish relationships with people and that they can be trust, trusting. And, you know, that, that I found to be true. Yeah. And I was fortunate that through this whole thing, you know, Tom and I were able to kind of stay close um, as partners and then friends but it's not an easy thing. I will say I will say that, and you have to just be prepared for that when you get in this business. That it's just it's it was that element of it was again a cliche. As you get into it, you hear about oh, you know, people are stabbing the back or lie to you or try to take advantage of you or try to burn you or whatever the case may be. Well, it's true, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know there are elements of that that happened to us through that whole thing. And fortunately, Tom and I were able to stay together, but, you know, can't say the same thing for everybody that worked on this project. This project was a fairly brutal project, uh, not just for us, but for others to be involved with. Um, the production team, you know, managed it 
kind of like a, a grueling wrestling match, and it was like if you know there were elements that weren't needed, um, they would get discarded pretty quickly, and you have to have very thick skin and be prepared for those kind of things. And again, I'm not just speaking to me and Tom's experience, but to other people who participated in the project. Yeah. So it was a it was a it was a little bit of a meat grinder, kind of getting it to the final place where it was at, and relationships were disrupted, you know, professional, personal relationships were burnt and destroyed because of this project. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it was, it was, it was fairly brutal. So, yeah, I was, I'm sort of wondering, um, I mean, you can get as specific or, or not so much as you want to, but, uh, what were one of those sort of bizarre experiences that you had, uh, you know, during the process that, uh, sort of that you feel, may have been like kind of like a battle scar in a sense. Uh, what do you mean in, in terms of, of which part? Of, oh, like, like how you were describing sort of there were relationships that, uh, uh, you know, sort of I probably can't speak another. to it. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, I probably can't speak to everything that went down. But <laughs> there were people, you know, that uh, aside from us, I mean, listen, we personally, I can speak to us. I mean, we personally, you know, there were contracts that we, you know, agreed to that then we were told wouldn't be honored. And then, you know, there's a process of what do you do? And and do you renegotiate even, or do you sue? And, you know, there's all kinds of just brutal games that may have been unique to this, but uh, maybe you just stand in practice. Um, and it wasn't just us that were kind of touched by those tactics. Um, and, you know, we kind of fought our way through that as much as we could, and others did too. But, you know, like I said, this, this applied to kind of, to my sense, to everybody who was involved with the project. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, I probably can't get into specifics, but, you know, just it wasn't just some kind of free and easy, hey, kumbaya, everybody hold hands, and let's have fun with this. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was tough every step of the way, uh, to negotiate, then to renegotiate, then to fight for access, then to fight, you know, all those things. Everything that we got, Tom and I, on this project, we had to fight for and get bloody on almost every single point. That's from from money to access to whatever a producer, to credits to whatever a producer might want. Um, and there were others who were involved in, you know, developing or, you know, creating this project who had the same experience. And I can't totally speak to their experience, but it was a, it was a tough, tough project. So, you know, and at the end of the day, it culminated in a fantastic film. So, yeah. you know, you lose some blood and uh, hopefully you're happy about the kind of all the, the pros outweigh the cons. No, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what I, I noticed sort of going through the list of producing credits. Um, you know, like I've spoken to other producers, um, and sometimes they describe to me the producing environment now in terms of credits. It's almost like you need a you need some kind of guide that says, like, what a specific person did in terms of how that credit is given, in a sense. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if that's something that you've encountered or... Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we... Um you know, when we negotiated this, you know, as, as uh, part of our agreement, you know, we were producers. So 
I mean, I don't, you know, you may be familiar with this, uh, but, you know, the, you know, obviously the, the kind of the highest title that everybody wants is that of producer. And executive producer is, is certainly a, an important and, and, you know, fairly weighty title, but it's not as, it doesn't say the same thing as producer. And, you know, our goal in setting this up is we want to be producers. Um, but the way our agreement was structured, yeah, there was the option that kind of, as we transfer the life rights to the new kind of production team, that if additional producers came on board, that we could get kind of moved to an executive producer position. So that's how we kind of ended up as executive producers. We weren't starting from no credit. It was, we were starting almost from producer credit and they kind of moved to executive producer over time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's a hard and fast rule. I mean, I can tell you, from my knowledge of the executive producer credit, that's usually given to somebody who brings something kind of strategic or critical to the making. Yeah, of or even like a piece more. of talent or, or something in that, like sometimes talent managers. Yeah, talent, get, story, you know, or money, usually it's those three things. They help get us, get a, get a projects, you know, made. In our case, it was certainly story. You know, we didn't bring... Um, you know, any actors, and we didn't bring any money, but we brought the story to the project. So, you know, from there, that, that certainly warranted an executive producer credit. Um, but, you know, some people fight and say, no, this is not going to get made unless I get a producer credit. And that's a whole battle that some people can fight to the death. Yeah. So, do you, uh, Did you work at all with the Producers Guild? Uh, no. Meaning, like, am I a member of the Producers Guild, or did I... No. Oh, in terms of uh, during getting trying to get credit, or was that ever... Oh, no, no. I mean, you know, it was in our contract, and fortunately, uh, that piece... Oh, in terms of getting a producer credit? No, um, you know, you, know, you, you, you typically are going to follow what your contract says, and because it, there was the opportunity to kind of go from exec, you know, move from exec producer to executive producer. There was no kind of legal standing we would have to to claim producer. Um, maybe if we were really fought, who knows, but uh, I can take time and money and effort, and I'm not sure it would have ended up anywhere. Yeah. But no, short answer is no. Uh, is there any project that you're working on uh, right now? Um, I am uh, working on uh, another kind of life rights project um, with Tom, my partner. And I would say, you know, I'm not a part. He, he actually, you know, since this film has been made, or sorry, in between the time we started working on this and then it's, and Fox Pictures release, I mean, he's had his name on probably, I don't know, eight or nine other movies. So when I went off, during this time period in my day job was working as a you know, digital marketer and uh, you know, executive and all that kind of thing. He has worked, you know, as a, as a film producer. So he, and, you know, primarily he's worked with uh, folks with money that they want to invest in films and he'll select those films for him. Now he has his own kind of development fund and he's partnered with a guy and they, um, uh, it's called uh, Catch and Release Films. And they're out looking for ideas, and they have a, a fund they can use to acquire life rights and uh, pay screenwriters and things like that. So, um, you know, I just as for fun will, you know, he'll send me a screenplay and I might comment on it here or there, but I don't have any structured relationship with his, with that, that group. But 
I do have, you know, a story that another kind of life rights story or true life story that, um, you know, brought to him and we're going to see where it goes, you know, among the other projects he's working on. So for me at this point, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be very opportunistic about it. And, uh, if I find something really cool, then, uh, that I believe in, then I'll kind of push it and I'll probably kind of work it through the channels that I know, which is Tom, who I trust. And, um, you know, but I'm probably not at that stage where I would, you know, kill myself <laughs> or, you know, sacrifice a great deal to kind of move a project forward like I might have, you know, 12 years ago. Yeah. So. No, I know Tom, uh, I think he was credited on uh, 127 Hours, uh, Precious, uh, you know, a lot of Oscar contenders in uh, the last few years. That's right. He, this will be, uh, we're both going to the Academy Awards on uh, Sunday, and uh, this will be his second time. He went with uh, Williams Executive Producer Precious. So he's a, he's a veteran at this point.